0: Chapter three, your son is missing. Not sure how long I stay there, lying in the muddy, tea-colored water with my back against a rotting stump. The swamp isn't very deep, less than a foot. Barely a swamp at all. Probably the drought has dried it out, but the forest is much thinner and I can see a chunk of sky, gray and glaring. The stench of smoke is harsh, but it no longer hurts to breathe, and the hot wind stays strong. Maybe the shift in the wind turned the fire back, or maybe the fire just decided to go somewhere else. Whatever, it's good to be alive. Give me time to think and plan. How do I find my way back to Camp Wabanaski? Does it still exist? The last time I saw the camp, before the curtain of smoke came down... It was inside the fire. Trees exploding. Old wooden cabins. They must have gone off like popcorn. What about the buses? Did they get away in time? And if they did, did anybody notice I'm not there? Will they notify my mom? Sorry, Mrs. Castine. Your son is missing and presumed burnt to a crisp. My phone! Went to all that trouble and almost forgot. Mom won't have access to my family or friends for the first 10 days of treatment. But I can leave a message with the staff. Then it hits me like a slap to the head. The phone is in my back pocket. And I'm sitting in a swampy water. I roll over, grab the slippery phone, and desperately try to dry it off blowing on the screen and muttering, come on, come on, please work, please. Drips of swamp water ooze from a crack in the screen. That can't be good. One last call, I beg, hold the button and waiting for the symbol to come up, waiting, waiting, nothing. I lift the phone up to the sky, hoping against hope, but the screen stays dark. That's bad, but it gets even worse. When I try to put the phone back in my pocket, it slips away, vanishing into the tea-colored water. I paw through the muck, splashing swamp goo, going, no, 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 please, no. But it's too late, way too late. Even if I manage to retrieve it, that phone is for sure ruined by now. And if it hadn't been already, it is now. I want to cry like a baby. I really do. But the heat of the fire has dried the tears right out of me. Forget the phone. Find your way to a road and get yourself home. Slogging out of the mucky water, I follow along the edge of the swamp. Chapter 4 don't believe in sorry. My dad had a saying he got from old TV show. Let's be careful out there. He always said it with a half a laugh, but he meant it. Whether we were going camping or hiking or whatever, if he could see me, see me somehow. That's what he'd say. Be careful out there, boy. And Maybe he'd have another of his favorites. Make a plan and stick to it. Something like that. Easier said than done, but I'll try. The swamp I'm following gets narrower and narrower until finally it becomes nothing more than a dark path, a layer of rotten leaves and pine needles. I keep looking over my shoulder, checking to make sure the fire isn't catching up. So far, so good. Now, if I only can find a road, a road means passing vehicles may even have a police car on it. They'll be evacuating the whole area, right? Somebody is bound to be see me. Somebody will have a phone so I can let my mom know I'm okay. So be careful in the plan. The plan is simple. Keep walking until you find a road and hope fire doesn't get your way. When the last trace of swamp disappears, I pick a direction and stick to it as best I can. Trying to follow a straight line through the fire, going from tree to tree. Worst thing you can do, lost in the woods, is start circling. Hours go by. Or, that's how it feels, without the phone. I have no way of telling time. Not much of the sky is visible under the canopy of the forest. But I'm pretty sure the sun is lower, which probably means it's afternoon. The clock in my stomach is letting me know I'm hungry and I'm thirsty and I haven't eaten or had anything to drink since early morning. The thirsty part is the worst. I keep thinking if only I managed to hang on to my backpack, I'd have a couple of my water bottles, two energy bars and drawing cloths. My throat is so parched, I'm starting to regret not drinking the stinky water when I had the chance. Should I turn around and retrace my steps? No, because that would mean heading back in the direction of the fire. Stick to the plan. Be on the lookout for a brook or a stream, which normally wouldn't be hard to find, but this is the year of the drought. No rain for months heat wave hot for weeks all but the biggest rivers have shriveled to nothing hot 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 my throat and my mouth feel dry gritty and dirt my eyes are so dry they're scratchy get to the road boy someone will stop give you water drink first and then borrow a phone maybe I should take a nap wow Where did that come from? Taking a nap in the woods with wildfires raging only a few miles away? That's like the worst idea in the world. Forget about napping. Get your tired and thirsty self moving. Find a road, get rescued, and drink a gallon of ice cold water. Maybe just lie down for a minute. No, 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 absolutely not, keep going. Thirsty and tired don't matter. Humans survive days without water. Banish water from your mind. Concentrate on finding the road. Part two. When I was really little, three or four, I used to sleepwalk. I'd be sound asleep in my bed. And the next thing I knew, my parents would find me in the living room or the kitchen or the hallway. Just standing there, still asleep. Weird, huh? Like something in the, my dreams made me get up and wonder. That's what it feels like trudging through the forest. Like I'm somewhere between awake and asleep. My legs keep walking. But part of me is floating around, along, like a, like a balloon, like a balloon on a string. Something about being in the woods brings up that memory of my dad taking me trout fishing the year before he went to Afghanistan. Baxter State Park, which is huge. We hiked five miles from the parking lot to the fishing spot. Dad knew about it from his days when he was my age. His father took him, so this was like a family tradition. Told me I would always remember my first trout stream, even if I didn't catch fish. But we did catch fish. We caught 11 brook trout and kept five to eat over a campfire. So that was the year my father taught me how to cast with a fly rod. I sucked, actually. But I could build a campfire and whittle with a jackknife and how to read a trail map and a lot of cool outdoorsy stuff my dad taught me. He promised when I was 12 he'd take me duck hunting but he never made it back from Afghanistan. So that was that. What would he think of me wandering through the woods with no idea of direction or where to go or how to get there? His boy was supposed to have a compass in his head. Sorry, Dad. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I can almost hear him saying, don't give me sorry, boy. Don't believe in sorry. Which is another saying of his. When I notice the ground feels different under my feet. Which kind of snaps me back into paying attention. Looking down, I see a tire track in the dirt. No. Wait, two of them. Running parallel tracks from a good sized vehicle, like maybe a big truck. I'm on a road.